DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by John Corrales. Covers the Boston Celtics, Mass Live News. He's host of Locked On Celtics, part of the Locked On NBA Network. John, good morning. Good morning to you guys. How you doing? Good. So, how confident is Boston in their Celtics right now? Uh, pretty confident. Uh, I, I think... The uh, I think Celtics fans see this team as a kind of like a best case scenario, uh, what we expected coming in versus uh, you know what what the actual results are. It's uh, kind of a shame that this team hasn't been fully healthy, so we haven't been able to see their full powers. But um, this is a team that's kind of outperformed their expectations. Jason Tatum's taken a leap. Jalen Brown's taken a leap. Um, not quite to Tatum's uh, level, but still a leap. Uh, Kemba Walker has filled in nicely. Gordon Hayward has come back and, and is healthy. So uh, things are going pretty good for the Celtics. You talk about how they're outperforming expectations. Then what were expectations? Well, um, I, I think most people expected them to be kind of like a third, fourth seed. Like this, this was supposed to be, uh, for lack of a better term, a gap year, where you know there there was Gordon Hayward. Um, was an unknown. Uh, Al Horford left. Kyrie Irving left. We weren't sure exactly how Kemba was going to fit. So I think the uh, a fourth seed somewhere around like 47 wins or so was going to be kind of like like if it was exactly like it went last year. I think fans would have been like, okay, this is this is about what we expected. Um, but. Uh, Guys have coalesced. This team is is already at 42 wins, and uh, things like the center position have worked out great. Like Daniel Tice was was better than expected, and what was supposed to be a weakness didn't turn out to be a weakness. That it's it's still not great, but it's it's not the weakness that people expected. So um, yeah, I think I think this team is has outperformed. Uh, kind of like I think maybe, maybe people thought if they were more like what the Philadelphia 76ers are, like that that might have been a little bit more where where Celtics fans would have kind of expected the, the Boston to be. So we're a long way away, and we pay more attention to the Western Conference than we do to the East. We have that Western bias you've heard so much about. <laughs> but even from a distance, and we do fall a little bit because obviously Gordon Hayward was here, right? We looked at Kyrie Irving leaving and thinking, the Celtics, it's going to be addition by subtraction. They're going to be better without him. He is so ball dominant. He's got a mercurial personality. He definitely has his highs, and they're the positives, but there are just so many crazy negatives and distractions. Do you feel like it has been addition by subtraction? Were we right about that? Yeah, I think you were. Um, I, I would argue, and I have argued, that Jason Tatum doesn't take this leap with Kyrie Irving here because Kyrie Irving is so ball dominant. Forget about locker room stuff and, and personality and all that stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about on the court, the, um, the ball dominant, uh, I'm going to go and search out my offense, and then once my offensive uh, options are exhausted, then you can go do your thing. Whereas Kemba Walker has come in, and not only addition by subtraction, but Kemba Walker is addition by addition because he is very willing to kind of take a step back but also step up when needed. Like 
let the offense kind of work through other guys through the first three quarters. And if, if things aren't quite going well, he'll, he'll be happy to come in in the fourth quarter and drill three straight threes and kind of get some distance for, for the Celtics and turn a three point game into a 12 point game. Uh, he came into Boston very openly willing to watch his usage rate drop, asking for his usage rate to drop uh, openly encouraging Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to become stars, do what you got to do, saying uh, word for word, this is their team. So it's not just that Kyrie Irving left and these guys have this room to work. It's that Kyrie Irving left and, and you have uh, in, in Kemba and in Gordon Hayward guys that are willing to say, okay, we're going to make the right play. We're going to pass the ball. We're going to kind of get out of your way and, and get our stuff through the, the flow of the offense and take over when needed with Kemba. But that's how Tatum has become this guy. That's how he's become uh, you know, a guy that's, frankly, I think in the conversation for a, a, a third-team All-NBA spot. So is it established that this is J- uh, Jason Tatum's team? I don't know if we want to say it that way. I don't think the Celtics would say it that way, but I think he's become the number one scorer. And if you if if that's how you want to look at it, then then sure, we've seen the the Celtics kind of gravitate towards him as their primary scorer. Now, granted, Kemba's been hurt, so it, it they've kind of had to lean on him. So we haven't seen the full complement of these guys since Kemba's return. He, he's back from uh, knee soreness. Uh, missed five games after the All-Star break. And in those five games, they've had to rely on uh, Tatum. Uh, they, they really forced it to him in that Lakers loss in Los Angeles. And, and they're really trying to kind of figure out how to work off of him. And he's been doing well passing out of double teams, but we still haven't seen, like, the Kemba, Jalen, Jason, Gordon starting lineup together to see exactly how that whole thing's going to work. But I think the Celtics do trust Jason Tatum to, to be the guy to, to cook individually now, and, and he's kind of developed uh, a bag of offensive moves that uh, he can go to that can get him uh, close to or more than 30 points a game. The way he's been going recently has been, has been insane. But he, he's kind of developed this offensive game where he can, he can drive or step back and, and do a lot of different things to get himself going. So the Celtics do trust him. To, to be their primary scorer for sure. So Celtic fans may like a season where the team's third, battling for second, maybe they can get to a conference final, maybe everything lines up and they actually get to an NBA final, that would be a heck of an accomplishment. But it seems like it's still a little ways away and they're going to be expected to take that step. I think it comes down to what are they going to do I think this is what everyone has to decide. What do you can do at the center spot? Do you want a traditional defensive-minded center because layups and dunks are so important you need to take them away? Does every center have to shoot three-pointers now? Do you just have to shoot out to 18 feet? What does the perfect Celtic center of the future look like? And is he, does he just look like a three- or four-man like Houston's going with? Yeah, I, I think the Celtics are probably skewing more towards the Houston model rather than the Utah model. Um, and it's not to say that one is better than the other, because obviously Rudy Gobert is an elite center, and he has tremendous impact on both ends of the floor. I don't know that that's how the Celtics are going to go. Uh, and, and unless they find somebody like that in a draft, uh, there's, there's just nobody like that out there. 
So you, they have Daniel Tice, and, and he's been working out very well, and they have him under contract for next year if they want him. They've got Robert Williams, who is more kind of like a, a Clint Capella comp than, than anything. And those are going to be their two guys. They, they, they've kept Vincent Poirier under contract. Um, I don't know what he's going to be, but their big guys are going to have to be mobile. And Brad Stevens has shown that he wants mobile big guys. I don't know if they necessarily have to hit the three, but they have Tice who can hit the three. And I think they're happy to go with a situational big, whether it's Tice if they need the floor spacing, or Robert Williams, if they need kind of like that rim protection, he can certainly block shots. He's an elite athlete. Um, I think they're happy to go with a situational big, and I think that's kind of where the NBA is moving, where you you hear the concept out there that the center is kind of like a mercenary position. The days of paying a center $20, $30 million, I mean, unless that guy is elite on both ends, then there's, there's no reason to pay your center big money. You're better off doing what the Celtics do, and I think this is what the Celtics think, paying your big money to the wings so you can have a switchable defense and get your rim protection by switching everything on the perimeter and really not even letting those guys get to the rim and not getting them those, those straight-line drives where you need a guy like Gobert back there to block shots. I think they're going to, like you said, that Houston model where you're kind of preventing those drives and you're forcing guys to kind of veer away from the basket. And if there's anybody that gets to the rim, then you can find a way to either step in and take a charge or make that shot difficult and just defend the rim that way. You talk about allowing the young guys to be stars. I'm wondering if there's a little imbalance there in terms of how can it happen when Tatum has established himself as a budding star. No one would disagree with that. Hayward was an all-star when he was here, and then he got injured, and he's still you know, in the process coming back, making $32 million a year. And then you got Jalen Brown. So how do you have three guys basically at the same position be stars? Well, uh, I think what you have here is kind of – I don't think Gordon Hayward is, is at that star level. Like he can be, but he's, he's taking a, a step backwards. And it's going to be interesting to see what Gordon does with his contract next year. Uh, I think the Celtics would love it if he opted out and, and re-signed long-term at shorter money. That might be more kind of uh, indicative of what his role is with the Celtics. Uh, he can certainly go be a star player. I mean, he's, he can be a 20-point-a-game guy. Uh, I don't want to make it sound like I don't think he can do that. He can. Um, but what does he want to do, and, and what role does he want to play? Uh, I think he's kind of happy being the guy that can be a star uh, on occasion and then spend a game making the right play and passing the ball and setting picks and, and doing other things and, and you know assisting guys rather than scoring. But also, the way the Celtics are, are kind of set up, you can have four guys average 20 points a game and three of them be at the same position because really there's the way the Celtics look at it is point guard, uh, center, and wings. So you've got your ball handler, you've got your big, and you've got three wings. And it doesn't matter that they're all – in fact, it's probably better for them that they're all kind of the same because that, that makes that switching defense a lot easier to play. So I think the notion that they all play the same position is at the same time accurate but antiquated, if that makes sense, because you can say, well, they're all small forwards. Who's your power forward? Who's your shooting guard? But 
the Celtics look at it as there are three wings, and it doesn't matter because you don't guard one person anymore on defense. You're switching, you're playing zone, you're, you're, you're matching up, you're, you know, you're in cross matches half the time. So uh, saying that one guy needs to be a power forward versus a, you know, a shooting guard, it, it doesn't really matter. Jalen Brown is stronger, so he'll, he'll take some of the stronger guys. Um, Hayward's also pretty strong, but, but you know, he'll, he'll guard mostly uh, those guys. And, and Tatum can, has that quickness and length that he can stay in front of smaller guys. So it, the way these, these guys are built kind of works for the Celtics. John Corrales joining us, covers the Boston Celtics, uh, Mass Live News, host of Locked On Celtics, Locked On NBA. Uh, let's take a look at tonight's game. Now, the Celtics have already announced no Gordon Hayward, and Jalen yeah. Brown's not going to go. What do the Celtics have to do to beat the Jazz? Well, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Um, they're they're going to have to figure out a way to to neutralize, like they did in Utah, one of one of the uh, other big scorers. I mean, in that last game, the, the Celtics were able to hold Bogdanovich to three points and uh, Ingles to two points. I mean, if they can find a way to get keep one of those guys uh, from scoring uh, like they're supposed to score, like they're used to scoring, uh, th- that'll be a huge help. But uh, it, it's going to come down to their defense. They can't let Donovan Mitchell go off for 37 points again. They're going to have to find a way to make those those uh, take those drives away, make the shots that they do get a little um, a little bit more difficult. Um, and really, without those two guys, Brown and, and Hayward, that that takes away a lot of the the rebounding. The Celtics are good with rebounding from the wings and holding guys off so guys like Tatum can can score. One problem the Celtics have had over the past few games is giving up offensive rebounds. I have a, a fear for Boston that Rudy Gobert is going to get a ton of putbacks, that he's going to be doing chin-ups on the rim with putback dunks. And uh, if the Celtics can't keep Utah off the offensive boards, then they're going to have a, a real tough night. There it is. John Corrales with his call on tonight's game. John, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. You got it. My pleasure. All right. You can check out his podcast, Locked on Celtics. Big into Boston.